Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading the book, Betsy Timboom, Promise of God, by Mike Evans, with permission from Time Worthy Books, and we are on Chapter 29. From a very early age, Noli's son, Peter, had displayed a remarkable gift for music. While still in secondary school, Corey and I taught him to play the piano, and he learned the organ on his own. Later, he attended music school in Amsterdam, where he perfected his skills. While still in music school, he applied for a position as an organist at a church in Velsen, about halfway between Harlem and Helmschek, where William lived. Several other organists with far more experience had applied as well, but Peter got the job. He was not yet 20 years old. On his first Sunday, Papa, Corey, and I took the train up to Velsen to attend the service. Peter played flawlessly that day. I don't think I heard a single wrong note the entire morning. The congregation seemed inspired, and they sang the hymns with spirit and determination, several times bringing me to the verge of tears. The priest, an amiable sort of fellow, delivered a wonderful sermon and then made a plea for repentance and invited the congregation to turn to Jesus in saving faith. After the final prayers and benediction, just as the congregation was turning to leave, Peter launched into a commanding version of Wilhelm, our national anthem, and everyone froze in place. After they invaded our country, the Germans made all expressions of Netherlands nationalism illegal. We were forbidden to display our flag or play the Wilhelm in public. Peter's performance of it that morning, with all the stops out and at full volume no less, was an obvious and flagrant violation of German policy. From the first note of the song, Papa was on his feet, and then someone across the way began to sing, and soon the entire congregation joined in a rousing version, singing it with as much enthusiasm as they had sung the hymns that morning. I knew it was against the German edicts, but hearing all those people singing it with such devotion sent a thrill through my body. By the second line of the first verse, I was singing with all my heart. Corey didn't like it one bit and whispered her objections to me. This is very dangerous and totally unnecessary. It is far better for us to do real acts of patriotism without attention to ourselves, rather than a thousand stunts like this. She stood silently, refusing to sing a word. When we were through, everyone gave a round of applause, and then we made our way from the pews. The priest, Johann Andersen, was positioned at the door, greeting worshippers as they exited the building. As we drew near, he reached out to Papa and grasped his hand. Thank you so much for coming today, Mr. Tinboom. We are glad to have Peter at our church. And we are glad for him to be here, Papa replied, grinning proudly. I was standing with them and added, I hope this playing doesn't cause you any trouble. Anderson took my hand and said quietly, These are trying times. We must all find the courage of our convictions. The look in his eye and the inflection of his voice gave his words unspoken meaning. I was certain he knew beforehand what song Peter was going to play at the conclusion of the service. On the way home, Corey continued to talk about how reckless Peter had been with playing the song. Sometimes seemingly so small can easily become a very big problem. I can't imagine anyone being so sensitive to something so incidental as a song sung in church. The Germans aren't like us, she insisted. They don't easily brush these things aside. And there are plenty of people who are looking for ways to ingratiate themselves. 
Did you notice the people who weren't singing? No, I replied, not really. I was enjoying the song. They were watching, and I'm sure they were making a mental list of everyone they saw who was singing. There was a lot of people. I doubt they can remember all those names. I think we're going to find out. Seems rather petty, doesn't it, making such an effort over such a small thing? They have much to hide, Corey answered. Appearance is everything to them. The next day, Ralph, the policeman who brought some of our first foster children, came to the shop and escorted Corey and me to the police station. He was polite and considerate in dealing with us, but he made it clear that refusing to go was not an option. We did as instructed and were questioned for almost an hour by a German army officer about the incident in church the previous day. We answered his questions but gave him as little information as possible. As we walked back to the Bayet, I glanced over at Corey. Maybe you were right. About what? About Peter playing that song. I don't know, she sighed. It's not much different than running into a street to help Benjamin Wall. I suppose not, but we seem unable to avoid calling attention to ourselves. Two days later, Peter's sister Cocky came to the shop and told us Peter had been arrested. They came to the house, she said, wiping her tears from her eyes as she spoke. Mama says they took him to the prison in Amsterdam. We were distraught, though not entirely surprised. Nolan and Flip went to find him. The rest of us prayed that they would be successful. That evening, Captain Borman came by the house again. Corey met him at the shop door downstairs and escorted him to the kitchen. Papa and I were sitting at the dining table. Borman dropped into a chair across from us and told us of Peter's arrest. You must be very proud of him, he added. Why do you say that, I asked. You were in the street helping that Jewish furrier, in obvious contradiction to German intention. And now your nephew has incited an entire church full of people to a flagrant display of nationalism, contrary to the express policy of the prime minister. It was the policy of the German government, not the Dutch people. Be that as it may, he said with a thin smile, I am sure you are proud of him, though you know it put him in great danger. But I would remind you of something you must already know. Your family is not one that would wish to call attention to itself. For a moment, I could not tell if he was threatening or trying to give us a warning. What do you mean, I asked. Your neighbors are talking. Your family has a reputation among them of being friendly with many Jews. The Jews are our neighbors and our customers, I said with a puzzled frown. Why wouldn't we be friendly? People are suggesting the three of you might be people to watch, that you are more than mere Christians trying to do good, but actually Jewish sympathizers. Is there a difference? Cute, he chuckled. If you were found to be helping them, it would mean the loss of your ration cards. Are you threatening me? Not at all. I'm merely explaining the situation so that you know where you stand and what you are risking. If you are caught helping the Jews, there would be travel restrictions imposed on your entire family. And if your conduct was particularly egregious, you would go to prison. Papa took a breath to speak, but I moved my foot underneath the table and stepped on his toe, pressing as hard as I could without making a face. He gasped with pain, and while he was recovering, I continued. We do not wish to cause trouble, Captain Borman, but as you may no doubt expect, we must obey God in whatever we do. The Bible instructs believers to obey the law, does it not? Yes, I responded, but God is the ultimate law. The conversation was falling into familiar pattern of Nazi doctrine versus Christian faith, a discussion I was unprepared to conduct. Papa was rubbing his foot, and I said to him with a knowing look, Are you still in pain? Yes, Papa replied, but I... 
Do you need to lie down a while? I asked with a nod, trying to telegraph the response I wanted. Why, yes, he said weakly. I suppose I do. So I excused myself and helped Papa from his chair. Corey walked downstairs with Borman to let him out. Meanwhile, Papa and I started up the stairs to the floor above. When we reached his bedroom door, he said to me, This is the test. These little things, they are the test. Test? I asked with a puzzled frown. What kind of test? If we turn our backs on the Jews in little things, denying we care for them or denying that God is the Lord of all, we will lose. We will be safe from the Germans, perhaps, but we will never reach the challenge of the big things, and we will miss what God is really doing. We must always stand with the Jews, no matter how small an issue. Well, that was a short chapter, but it was a good one and get some things to think about and to talk about with your family and, and with others. Well, next week it'll be chapter 30. I love you. I'm praying for you and bye bye for now. <laughs>